So once you become a parent, I've decided that um, the S word becomes becomes something different and it actually stands for sleep. It's, I think, one of the uh, main things that probably drives all parents crazy at some stage. It can be so frustrating and so confusing. Um, and yeah, we, we tend to talk about it a lot. I know people are often asking me how fun sleeping. Um, yeah, it's a big one. So that's what I'm here to talk about with you guys today and hopefully should um, share some of my insights with you. And it's taken me a little while to get up the, I don't know, the courage almost to do this podcast because for ages I just, I felt like I knew I had some things I wanted to share that I learned along the way from my journey with Fern and her sleeping, but I definitely like don't have it all figured out. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of like holding me up for a little while. I was, yeah, hesitant about sharing when I didn't think I knew enough, but um, I've come to the conclusion that it's just still helpful to share what I do know anyway. Um, and, you know, none of the topics I talk about, I've I fully, um, like I'm not an expert on any of them. Same thing, I'm just, just sharing the experiences I've had and what I've learned along the way. So, yeah, welcome to the Crunchy Mama podcast or welcome back. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to have you listening here today. And if you're new, uh, my name is Rosalie. I am mum to Fern. She is ooh, like 14 months-ish at the moment. And yeah, I just, I started this podcast because I've um, really enjoyed through my parenting journey, learning lots along the way. And I'm really into like researching things um, quite extensively. And yeah, my mind is just so curious about about learning a lot of the things around parenting and you know most of it's like a completely new world to me even though I've worked with kids all my life um, so yeah I, I wanted to share what I learned because the approach I take is a really natural intuitive one and there didn't seem to be a lot of that information out there you know um, uh, it's all the mainstream stuff that you mostly see so yeah I just wanted a way of, of sharing and passing on what I've learned and um, hopefully that can reach some more people. But yeah, so today, talking about sleep. I think the first thing, so I never went to antenatal classes for Fern. We, um, it was something Dylan and I decided that we just didn't think it would be the right fit, that they'd probably be saying stuff we mostly didn't agree with, um, and we kind of didn't want to waste our time doing that. And in hindsight, there's been like, I feel like some basic things that basic pieces of knowledge that I have missed that would have just been like that are so little and simple and easy and could have made could have changed things but I also really like starting with like quite a blank slate and just figuring things out by myself so yeah it's made it a little harder sometimes along the way but so sleep is one of these things I literally knew nothing about it before having Fern and you know all of a sudden she's here and um yeah and we just we learn along the way as you do so yeah, I have some tips and tricks that I want to share with you guys today about like, you know, how to get your baby to sleep, where to get them to sleep, how to get them sleeping longer. Um, but to be honest, the biggest things that helped with me and my relationship with Fern's sleep were changing my perspective and my attitude and my expectations. And so that's what I want to, to talk about first because honestly those yeah that's what made the biggest difference for me so one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that we have a pretty unhealthy obsession with sleep 
it's usually the first thing that someone asks about when they're asking, you know, as a new mom, how are you doing? How's your baby doing? Um, but I want to I want to provide a different perspective and and just to take a look at it as if you think about it in reality, sleep is only one part of many things that are important for your baby to be healthy or for us, you know, for any human to be healthy, right? Like, yes, sleep is important, but so is eating good food, having loving connections, um, getting exercise and movement and being out in the fresh air and in nature. You know, there's so many things. If you look at it holistically, um, that, that are important to your baby's health. But I find that we kind of um, zoom in on sleep. And if your baby's not sleeping well, then it's like a really big deal. And I also know from personal experience of how like it can drive a new mum crazy, becoming obsessed over trying to get your baby to sleep. And yeah, I think you can get into a really unhealthy mental state over it and I know I did where it was just getting me so frustrated and so down that I couldn't make Fern sleep for longer and that it was hard work always getting her to sleep and yeah it kind of like began to take over my days and um yeah for quite a few months we had a pretty pretty tricky period with um with her daytime naps and and yeah one of the biggest things that changed like the quality of my days and completely um, just had me just like in general had me feeling so much better was just not being so obsessed about it. Then I also think it's important to be realistic about baby about how babies sleep Um, and so the first thing is that every baby or child has different sleep needs right like it's easy to be to compare and you know like I've got some friends with babies who are very similar ages to Fern and you know you you're curious and you might ask like how often their baby naps and how long they nap for but just because they're the same age it doesn't mean that they're going to need the same amount of sleep you know they're the babies are also different just like we are also different um, and have such different needs that, yeah, it's, I think it's important to not base, um, yeah, to not compare too much. Like I said, sometimes it, it is interesting and helpful to know. And if it is the same, sometimes it's really reassuring and nice to hear. But yeah, don't freak out if your baby sleeps differently. Like anything they're going to, like everything they're going to do, going to do it differently to others. You know, start walking, start talking, all at different stages. And you know your baby best and you'll be tuned in and you'll know what um, their sleep needs are. I also believe that babies need our help to get to sleep. And I had to, as I was typing this one down um, in my notes, I really had to stop and think about this. And I was like, do I actually believe that? Because for if you choose to, you know, to parent in a more um, mainstream conventional way where you would oh what's that routine that plankett and everyone suggests it's like feed play sleep and repeat um so so say you're doing that right so when your baby wakes up that's when you feed them and then they have a little play and then you put them back in their cot and then they sleep again um and so the way they do it they they don't help the baby get to sleep at all but majority of the time what that means is that that baby's going to be crying and pretty upset and that's eventually how they're going to get to sleep and I'm assuming if you're listening to my podcast here that that doesn't sit right with you it definitely doesn't sit right with me doesn't feel intuitive 
at all. Um, you know, whenever Fern's crying, I'm to the best of my ability, I want to be able to meet her her needs. If it's something that um, that I can help with for sure. If it's yeah, obviously it's different. If it's if it's an emotion of frustration or sadness or whatever, with that I prefer to um, to let her be vocal about that and just be there with her. But yeah, if she's crying because she needs me, because she needs my help to get to sleep, I'm um, yeah, I want to be there and help her with that. So so what I think I figured out that I believe is that. Um, Babies do need our help because if you think about when they're in the womb, life as they know it before they, um, before they make their way earthside, is they're pretty much in constant movement, right? So we're, you know, the mum is moving around lots, but even at nighttime, like when we're laying down and sleeping, we're still rolling about, and babies in that amniotic fluid, which means again they're they're going to have that constant semi-constant movement that they're used to um they're also used to being really warm and snuggly or you know tightly wrapped up in your in your womb and they're used to constant nourishment so to me it makes sense that when um when they are finally here that they're going to need those same things those same conditions to fall asleep and yeah, and the easiest way to, you know, to recreate that is for baby to be in your arms, to be feeding from your breasts and yeah, to be on you, to be held, to be rocked. And in those conditions, they can feel safe and relaxed and then they they fall asleep. But yeah, so I, I believe they do they do need us to provide those conditions for them um, for quite a while until they slowly transition out of needing that. The other thing is with um, with baby sleep at night time is that it's very common for babies to wake every couple of hours throughout the night. And for a long time, not just the first few weeks, not just the first few months, um, Fern at 14 months still definitely wakes frequently throughout the night. I honestly, I don't know how often. Um, I'm quite a heavy sleeper, luckily. And so when Fern um, stirs, she, either, she might cry or she, I might just feel her... Um, wriggling around like looking for some milk and I just help her latch on if need be if she's like miles away she's wriggled away to the other side of the bed Um, and then she just starts sucking and just like straight away we both just fall back to sleep which is really nice and yeah it actually means that night times for us are pretty um, are pretty straightforward and not too disruptive so yeah most of the podcast today I'm going to be focusing on um, daytime naps because that's where I had a little bit of difficulty with Fern and, and what I want to share my knowledge on today. But um, yeah, so during the, yeah, waking frequently during the night is normal and sometimes it is because they're hungry. Other times they just need comfort or maybe the covers have come off and they're cold or maybe they're too hot or they just need a little something to be more comfortable to carry on sleeping. But yeah, that's just why I can't recommend co-sleeping enough because you can still get that like semi-decent sleep while also being able to meet your baby's needs really quickly. So on to daytime naps. Um, what I wanted to say about the reality of these, like I don't know about you guys, but for me, before I had Fern, I thought like babies, like a standard nap, during the day for a baby looked like oh you just rock them in your arms a little bit and then you put them down in their cot and then they sleep for maybe like two three hours 
Um, I get to go and do whatever it is I need to do, relax, do some cleaning, whatever. Um, and then she wakes up and then maybe another one later on that day. But in reality for us, it did not look like that at all. Um, for quite a long time, Fern would just have these 30, 20, 30, 40 minute naps. Um, and whenever she would sleep, it was always on me. Um, usually like even with like my nipple had to be in her mouth. It wasn't even just on me. It was like attached to me. Um, yeah, so they can look different for everyone is a good thing to be realistic about. But what I have found um, from my experience so far is that if you do choose to take this more like gentle parenting, attachment parenting approach where you are responding to your baby's needs and what they're, you know, communicating when they're crying, that they want to be on you, that they need that safety and security to fall asleep. Um, By doing it that way, they do... um, they become familiar with with having those conditions to fall asleep, and so for for quite a long time, they're going to need those. They're going to need to be on you, or need to be fed to sleep, or any of those things. Um, yeah, so you are you are committing to that when you choose to parent this way. But um, I'm sure you guys will all agree that it's totally worth it. Even yeah, for sure, there's those really challenging times and days. Um, but yeah. I, I definitely feel that it's worth it. And lastly, um, the last thing to be to get realistic about is that your baby's need for sleep is going to vary all the time. And so that's why, in my opinion, having a nap at, say, 10 a.m. every day isn't going to work um, because there's so many variables that can change when your baby needs to sleep. And there's nothing more frustrating than trying to get a baby to sleep who isn't ready um yeah if you've experienced that you know so like with Fern at the moment she currently either has one or two naps a day and I honestly don't know what it's gonna be until that day like often it like probably major majority of the time it is two but if we go to something really fun and exciting in the morning and she's having a great time she she can miss that morning nap and push out all the way to lunchtime and then we'll just have a sleep then so yeah sleep changes all the time the third piece of advice that I would love to offer you is to make peace with the fact that your baby is dependent on you and then arrange your life around this fact arrange your life to fit in with that um yeah So what I mean by that is get that support with whatever it is that you need. You know, that's going to look different for everyone. But um, that might be someone like say your mom or someone close to you coming over and just holding your baby and looking after them for 30 minutes that you can have a nap if you're really exhausted. Or it might be people coming over and making food for you or dropping meals off once a week. Um, It might be say you've got older kids that might be picking them up from school or doing some cleaning I don't know you you know what it is that's helpful to you um but by yeah bringing in that village and asking for that help and accepting that help um that allows you to fully focus on your baby and you know actually have the time and the energy to meet their needs but also to still have time to look after yourself as well because um yeah it's it's our needs that go out the door first hey so uh, yeah I really recommend asking for that help 
and also to just be present with the current stage that your baby is at because them being so dependent you know this won't last forever um and yeah so just like take that focus away from oh I can't wait you know that mindset of like oh, I can't wait till my baby finally fall asleep by themselves or I can't wait till they sleep through the night and yeah don't you know, just like live in the present. If you're always searching for something that's going to happen later and, and waiting for something, um, yeah, it just detracts away from the happiness and content you could find from the present moment. So yeah, I mean, I, I for sure still do this, but I I just mean try not to focus in on it too much. Just appreciate that right now they're at the perfect stage that, that they need to be at and they will move on and um, you know, grow that independence from us at their pace and do it when they're ready. I also recommend um, to help with, you know, arranging your life around your baby is to not fill your days up so much that you're rushing around everywhere and don't have time to, you know, be tuned in with your baby and, you know, you're pushing out their sleeps or you're waking them up early to get out of the car or to go somewhere. Um, yeah, try have a mix of, you know, you obviously you still want to have things on. It's really nice to, to go out during the day, um, have a change of scenery, get to see some other friends, other faces, but yeah, having a mix of some busy days and then some free days where, you know, you don't have to get up and out the door by nine o'clock. Um, if you have the luxury of not having other kids or, um, yeah, something, some other situation that might mean that I was just thinking this morning when Dylan's alarm was going off, I was like, oh, I'm so grateful that that's not me every morning now. Um, you know, hearing that alarm going off and having to get out of bed, like, I mean, yeah, I often have to get out of bed when Fern's ready, but usually like these days she just plays around a bit and I can, can kind of drag it out and we just, we have really nice cruisy mornings and I really enjoy it that way and being able to connect in with Fern first thing in the morning makes, you know, I find a big difference for setting up our day. Um, yeah, but I'd say that's one of the biggest lessons that Fern has taught me is just that power of slowing down because babies don't respond well to being rushed in that really stressful sort of energy um you know like say sometimes Fern's asleep and we need to we need to be somewhere and we need to go but I'm not going to wake her because her sleep these days is pretty precious you know now that she has fewer naps um when she is having one she she kind of really needs it so if at all possible, I, I just leave her sleeping. But then when she does wake up, you know, I, I want to just quickly throw her in the car and go because we're already late. But usually she might need a nappy change. She'll probably need a feed. Um, and I know if I rush through those things or skip those that it ends up in her just being feeling confused and not knowing what's going on and getting upset. And then we just, I'm putting her in the car and she's crying her eyes out. And yeah, it's not nice. And I remember doing this lots in our early days. We were living out in Piha, which is like an hour's drive from the city centre where most things would be going to were. And yeah, so like a big long drive to get there and maybe there were like one or two things we needed to do in the city and we'd end up just being there the whole day. I'd be like living out of the car, like that was my little like safe place to go in between places. And yeah, in hindsight, it was it was too much. It was too much for me and it was too much for Fern and when you're busy interacting with um, with other people too much, I think it it takes away from you being tuned in with your baby's needs, just especially at the start when, you know, you're still developing that relationship and getting to know each other. 
But in saying that, I think there is some kind of, you know, like perfect balance to find, which, yeah, I, I don't think anyone will ever figure out. But um, I can think of multiple situations where, say, like I met up with my beautiful mama friends and we're all just like um, hanging out in the lounge. It's sunny. We're all just chilling um, with our babies and we're eating some yummy food and just having great chats. And I know in those situations um, – that I think just like because we all feel so relaxed and so happy and content that it's so much easier I find personally to to parent Fern in those situations so and because I'm relaxed and happy Fern is most likely relaxed and happy unless you know she's hungry or tired or whatever and so I find that she just kind of like happily plays and then signals when she's ready to sleep and I pop her up in the carrier or maybe I'm even just feeding and she just falls asleep so easily because, you know, I'm chatting with another mama and my mind isn't focused, like all obsessed on like, I must get Fern to sleep. I must pat and rock and sway and sing. And, <laughs> you know, I, I like having that relaxed attitude is probably one of the biggest takeaways that I could give you of, um, yeah, of changing things around sleep and allowing it to come easier for your baby as if you're relaxed, they can relax. So yeah, I think it is It is nice to be in those situations too. Baby wearing is another great tool to, um, to allow you to do what you need to do while also um, enabling your baby to feel safe and secure and to have a good sleep on you. And I've got a whole podcast um, on baby wearing. If you want to learn more about that, go and check it out. But yeah, I just, I had to mention that because honestly, like even to this day, the majority of Fern sleeps are in the carrier um, and that's where she sleeps the best actually. Oh, also a good tip is to nap with your baby during the day if you need to. And this is some advice that I didn't, I kind of wish I'd taken, I'd taken this advice more when, especially in the early days, in the first couple of months with Fern. Um... But I think I had like a bit of like ego and yeah, around it. I was like, no, I I don't need to sleep. Like we're sleeping pretty well at night. I don't need to have naps during the day. Um, and also I would, I would just feel like I couldn't sleep. I was, I had this story in my mind that I was like, no, I can't, I can't sleep during the day. But, um, a couple of times that my mum did manage to persuade me not firm was like fast asleep and on her. And that gave me some time. Mum would be like just go lie down anyway and just you know at least just lie down and relax for a little bit and I would always just like (laughs) fall fast asleep so yeah I I would love to pass that advice on to you and um I still actually do this maybe like once a week or once every couple of weeks this afternoon actually I ended up um having a nap with Fern on the bed and yeah I don't know I just I still get quite tired and I think it's very understandable so yeah if your body's telling you to um you know communicating with you that you need that sleep it's the perfect time to just lay down with your baby and you can both sleep together okay I hope that those have been helpful and um perhaps have allowed you to change your perspective or yeah just shed light on a new way of looking at sleep And now I'm going to move on to some of those finer details. Um, I'm going to try not to get too bogged down in here because, um, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff written down. But, you know, sometimes you just hear that one thing that makes all the difference. So, yeah, I want to share as much as I can. So um, I've broken this down into a few different kind of like steps. And the first one or the first question kind of that I 
um, wanted to answer was, when is your baby ready to sleep? And as a newborn baby, um, I feel like my my distant memory of when Fern was that age is she mostly kind of just fell asleep by herself, you know, in a sense. Like I said, like we're providing those conditions of if she's on me and usually it would be when she was feeding, she would just drift off into sleep. But um, yeah, that's how it was at the start. And then after a couple of months, things started to change and I found that I needed to be more tuned into her signals of when she was ready to sleep. Maybe maybe because the sleep just kind of all blows together and, you know, a newborn baby is basically just like mostly sleeping and as the their awake times grow longer, um, yeah, it's a little easier to tune in with their sleep pattern. So how do you know when your baby is ready to sleep? You know, if you're not sticking to that, to a schedule, um, how do you know? So some very obvious signs of being tired. Um, your baby is rubbing their eyes if they're yawning. Uh, Fern also went through a stage of grabbing her ears when she was tired. And now that she's bigger, um, there's a few things. Yeah, I find it a lot easier to pick up on now. But um, if she's getting upset more easily than normal, you know, over something that usually wouldn't be a big deal, that's often um, and a little like alert, a little flag to me that she's getting tired. Um, if she's getting like real grabby and frustrated or kind of, I notice with her movement as well, she becomes a bit less coordinated or like a bit more um, gumby when she's, when she's moving around. And yeah, that's another sign that they can be tired. So if you're choosing to parent in this way and, and notice those things, um, it is important to act quickly once you see those signs, because that's them saying, you know, like I'm, I'm really ready to go to sleep now. And I just did want to talk a little bit about schedules. So, um, yeah, I've kind of explained why I don't think they work already. You know, of being like, my baby sleeps at nine and twelve and two and five every day, and and then when they turn six months, then I'm gonna change it to these times. Like, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. Babies don't want to sleep at the exact same time every day, just like we don't. Um, yeah, but I do, I do understand why people do them because you know sometimes it's really nice to have that structure and and I do believe that babies function well under routine and having things similar but if I if I reflect like on how we've brought Fern up there hasn't been a rigid structure in terms of that but there's very consistent things you know for one she has a con very consistent caregiver in me um, and that majority of the time it is always me looking after her and you know I'm doing things consistently and I think that's been enough she I mean I have nothing to compare it to but I don't think she's suffered from lack of a schedule or routine or yeah we just we live our lives in a really flowy way that um, we kind of yeah just like to take things as they come um, but yeah and you know, I know that um, people uh, you might often get recommended to have like a bedtime routine but even that's something we've never done with Fern and but I just I think I believe that because I'm responding to her cues and I'm taking her to bed when she's tired that she doesn't need that wind down routine um, yeah that's just my thoughts on that anyway uh, another little hint for when they need to sleep is um, for a couple of days when Fern was maybe like five months old 
I decided to write down the times of all of Fern's sleeps, what time she went to sleep, what time she woke up and etc. for a couple of days. And then I went back and looked at it and managed to figure out a bit of a pattern. And it was that she was often ready for her next sleep two hours after she had last woken. So yeah, having that awake time of two hours. And I found this really a like little helpful piece of information to have. Um, it did change things around a bit because I tend to try not to look at the clock. So it did make me be more like watching the clock a little and noticing, like trying to remember when she last woke and then when two hours was from there. So yeah, it was helpful to kind of know that rough guide. Like if I was trying to make plans or go out to know most of the time it's that, but to also not get too hung up on that um that timing and to say yes it's been two hours but instead of just like putting her straight in the carrier or feeding her and trying to rock and pat her to sleep um to actually stop and check in with her and what she's actually showing me right now and for me to just check is she actually ready to sleep and majority of the time she was but sometimes she wasn't so that's the when um so yeah you now know when to get your baby to sleep but then the next question I wanted to answer was where should you get your baby to sleep um, during the day and yeah like I've already kind of mentioned in my opinion I think it's best to keep baby as close as possible including for sleeps in those first few months in that newborn stage um, yeah just again the focus on making that transition from the womb to the outside world is as smooth and gradual as possible so most of my um, my advice for where is going to be in contact um, with the caregiver but yeah I it's easy to get into that trap of and again the image I had in my head of what sleep looked like before I had Fern was um, I picture her sleeping, you know, by herself in a cot, but in a dark room, the curtains were drawn, the light was off, there'd be like a sound machine on. <laughs> um, and yeah, in reality, that's, that's, I've found is not what Fern needs to sleep during the day. Um, yeah, so don't think that your baby needs a dark, silent room to sleep in. Fern has on so many occasions, like hundreds, thousands of occasions, and still does, um, slept in very loud busy places you know we've like I literally take her everywhere we've been to festivals to concerts to family get-togethers out tramping yeah there's so many different situations and if she needs to sleep and you know I've checked that she's fed and got a clean nappy on and everything the conditions those conditions are right and she's in the carrier she feels safe and usually some movement is what she needs um she will fall asleep the noise doesn't bother her I actually I think that like <laughs> having people around as and making that sort of background noise that's like the original white noise I think that's helpful you know if you think about living in a in a village setting there would be people around and working and singing and talking all the time you wouldn't just yeah go exclude yourself in a quiet dark room for your baby to sleep so yeah like don't don't think your baby needs that um and in fact napping in a dark room during the day can actually really confuse the development of their circadian rhythms because you know when they're born they don't have their circadian rhythms. I don't know if that's the right way to say that. <laughs> um, it's something that slowly develops. And so if you're confusing the development of that, it might mean that they find it harder to sleep at nighttime because they haven't, you know, had that signal all day long of the sunshine and the light and 
um, and then make a clear switch to darkness at nighttime. So yeah, I think that can be confusing and I would, would avoid that as much as possible. Even when Fern does sleep on the bed in our room during the day, all the kins are open, like the sun's blazing through the window um, and she has no trouble sleeping. So in those first couple of months, the best options, I believe, are the easiest one is just in your arms and I think you do that a lot and you're kind of, you're excusing or let off as a new mum in those first couple of months to just have your baby sleeping on you and yeah, hopefully you've got the help to allow that to happen and allows you time to relax and assist with that recovery process as well. Um, but yeah, if you do need to be doing up and about doing stuff in the carrier, I think is the next best option. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else we did at the start. Oh, or in the car. Um, because, you know, babies often fall asleep really easily in the car. Something about the snugness of the car seat and the vibration and the constant movement. Um, yeah, so those are good options at the start. And then, you know, once your baby's a few months old, there's some other options. And uh, this this is something I'm really curious about. Okay, so I'll try <laughs> try explain. My my thoughts are so what how we help our babies to get to sleep whatever we do is what they become used to and then they kind of learn that they need that to get to sleep because it's what they're used to and I've I found it quite hard even now you know Fern's like she's one um, and she's still pretty much having all her naps as contact naps like on me but I'm I think we're both ready for more distance and some more independence in terms of that I I still believe she needs my help falling asleep and then once she is asleep um, I I try to transfer her off me onto the bed but I finding I'm finding it really tricky and there's still yeah there's still more for me to learn about it but one of the things I would be curious to try and so I'm putting this out there for (laughs) any of you listening um uh, just something to maybe think about and give a go or not. But if you do give it a go, let me know how it goes. Um, is that I, yeah, I'm curious about if I had started doing those transfers earlier, whether Fern would have gotten used to them faster and um, I could be doing that more by now. That's what I wonder. So say she falls asleep um, in the carrier and then... Um, after a little bit I'll I'll give some more details about the tricks um, I have learned for transfers soon but then yeah transferring her down onto the bed and she I can I can kind of do that at the moment but she usually wakes after like 20-30 minutes and needs help um, linking up that sleep cycle to carry on sleeping longer and but yeah or otherwise say she's fallen asleep in my arms and usually I'm just sitting on our bed and I try to put it down Um, I've been practicing this lots the last few days actually and I am getting better at it but she will often still wake once I've put her down so yeah I think if I keep doing it consistently she will get more used to it. Another thing to try is laying down with your baby in bed like you would at night but during the day and you know feeding them side lying when you're lying down and helping them to fall asleep like that and once they're asleep and they've unlatched from your breast then you can you know roll away hop out of bed and uh, go and have some time to yourself and a friend of mine shared this trick with me when I was struggling with fern sleep and we did it once and it took ages for her to get to sleep but I kept persisting and persisting and I kind of like just let fern 
play, like to roll over and play with the wall and then roll back and feed some more. But I was really calm and patient and um, and eventually she fell asleep and yeah, I was able to roll away and she slept for a decent amount of time. But this only lasted for, I think it happened like maybe two or three times in a row and then just like almost never again. And But for those two or three days, I was like, yes, I've got this sussed, you guys, and it feels so good and Fern's sleeping not on me and, and it was really satisfying but yeah unfortunately it didn't last so I I'm not haven't figured that bit out yet but I'll leave those thoughts with you another place um, babies often sleep is in a pram if you're going for a walk and again people do this from right from newborn baby I I don't think a newborn baby feels safe being so far away from their mom and yeah personally I just that's I don't think that's ideal at the, when they're so young but um, yeah once they're a bit older I think the pram can be a really great tool and Fern loves going for a walk in the pram these days we've we've borrowed my mom and dad's one and have it at our house at the moment and and it's really nice for other people to be able to take her for a walk as well because most people kind of freak out with the carriers um, yeah but now Fern loves being in the pram doesn't fall asleep in it so easily there was a little period when we were living with my parents and my mum took her for a weekly walk like every Wednesday morning I think it was when she walked with her friends and Fern would usually have a sleep but it, it would take a long time like 45 minutes to an hour of consistent non-stop walking for her to fall asleep and again, maybe that's just because she wasn't used to it. But yeah, so I personally haven't found that a very effective way of getting her to sleep. But probably just because um, we didn't do it from an early age, uh, it wasn't familiar to her. So usually I would just way rather put her in the carrier and she would fall asleep, you know, five, ten minutes um, usually because that's what she's used to. And the last one I want to add to the list, you guys, is on a bike. <laughs> and this is a new discovery um, for me. We finally, uh, a couple of weeks back, got a bike seat for Fern. And it's one that attaches onto the rear of my bike on a pannier rack. And I'm so excited. I've been waiting and waiting to get this. But took my time choosing uh, choosing the right one. And yeah, the first like couple of rides we went on, every time Fern just fell asleep. And often really quickly, like the first ride, she was pretty tired when we headed out and within I'd say five minutes of you know biking along a bumpy road she was out to it um so yeah you can you can add that to your list a couple of tricks with the transfers if you are interested in doing those um I had a good chat with Em from Raising Ziggy a little while back about it I was saying I was you know struggling with having fern on my back for like a two hour sleep it was starting to get heavy and she actually ended up recommending me a different carrier which I got and that's been great it allows me to have fern higher up on my back and closer so um, it's comfier for me but I still said you know the ideal would be that I would be transferring her down and ask for some tips on that and so what she said was if baby is on your back oh that just reminds me when um, when I said the carrier earlier on obviously you have to unless you're using a woven and you're really good and know your stuff and can have your baby on your back usually baby is um, on your front I think up until like six months is when we started putting fern um, in the back of the carrier but yeah so if if baby is on your front in the carrier it's much easier to transfer them down onto the bed so she recommended um, jiggling baby around in the carrier to your front as like the first step and it's it's tricky I'm not gonna lie um, but like anything with practice you you get better at it 
But um, also the trick that I for some reason hadn't thought of was if baby does wake in that process of coming around to your front, just quickly, you know, um, just uh, I just quickly let I let fern feed, put her back on my breast, and if I'm if I'm quick with it all, um, she just you know doesn't wake properly and just uh, drifts back off into sleep and then I wait another five minutes um, and then I'm able to transfer her down onto the bed from my front and that's much easier but so the biggest trick is to do things really really slowly uh, if baby feels like they're falling they're that's when they jolt wide awake um, and are usually pretty upset so yeah I like I squat down and I get down really low to the bed um, oh, another trick is to, before you lean forward too much, lean forward a little and you want to transfer the weight of your baby off your body and into like the hammock of the carrier. So lean forward enough that the weight completely transfers and then as you continue lowering forward, they're going to feel held in, in that hammock and the carrier. And yeah, just slowly lower all the way down. Oh, and I find it's helpful if you have the hood up and clipped in because then that bit supports the head and you don't get your hand um, completely stuck under the head. But I'm sure you could Google and spend hours reading about uh, yeah people's experiences and tricks for transfers. So um, yeah, that, that's just a few I wanted to share. Next up is ways to help your baby get to sleep. And I've actually had a recent perspective shift on this where I don't think that our focus should be on getting our babies to sleep. That's not our role is to get our babies to sleep. Instead, our role is to provide the conditions to then allow our baby to feel um, to feel like they can fall asleep. So I've already touched on these things, um, but just to sum them up again, um, feeding is obviously a great way to help your baby get to sleep. Um, movement, rocking, swaying, bum padding is another great one, um, singing, going for a walk, going for a drive, going for a bike ride. Um, yeah, I'd say movement and that feeling of warmth and embrace and being fed are probably the main ones. Um, and that's another reason why I love the carriers is because they provide that that um, like being wrapped up in someone's arms feeling while still allowing you to have both your arms actually free. Um, but if you're thinking about the ways of getting your baby to sleep, uh, a big thing to be aware of is that if you've tried for more than like half an hour to get your baby to sleep, they're probably not ready to sleep. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to pass on from my experience what I learned was to not be really disheartened or annoyed when you're trying to get your baby to sleep and they won't sleep. Um, because I experienced this a lot and instead I would encourage you to have the perspective and instead just you know usually like I, I say this to her and I communicate this with her and I just say oh you don't seem like you're ready to sleep right now so I'm gonna take you out of the carrier and we're gonna go play some more or I'm gonna stop feeding and rocking and <laughs> patting and swaying um, and yeah we're gonna just see give you a bit more time and I'll watch for when I think you're ready to sleep. But yeah, I went through a really big phase of trying to like almost force, for, ah, sorry, of trying to force Fern to 
sleep and then I would just be the one who would end up so frustrated and then Fern picks up on that energy and she's getting stressed and frustrated and then she definitely can't fall asleep um, and it gets that stage, you know, where you, like, I've honestly had times where I just want to, like, scream at Fern, like, if you're so bloody tired, then why won't you just fall asleep? But, yeah, that's for sure when you just need to, like, stop, take a moment, take a breath, maybe have, like, a brief bit of space from each other if if it's um, you've got conditions that allow that to safely happen. Um, and yeah, just kind of like try to snap yourself out of that. So changing your attitude around that can, can make a massive, massive, massive difference. And yeah, that's why I just, yeah, that my whole biggest thing about just relaxing about sleep in general, like it's not the end of the world if your baby doesn't go to sleep right now, even though it might feel like it at times, try to look at the bigger picture and yeah, take that step back and gain that perspective and say like, Look at, look at what you're doing and just realize like this is silly you can't get a baby to sleep who isn't ready to go to sleep and I've seen other mums you know in this in this um, conundrum of yeah getting getting stuck in that and I also know it because I did it a lot myself but it's I, yeah I just I don't think that stress is necessary also sometimes I think um they, that your baby just needs a little break. So if I've put Finn in the carrier and I've been walking around for a while and doing things um, and she hasn't fallen asleep and then she, she lets me know if she wants to get out and if she's not falling asleep or if she needs a little more help to fall asleep. But sometimes that break in the carrier is all that she needed, you know. She just needed a bit of... Because it's like, you know, she's contained in there. She doesn't have to expend as much energy. She, it's kind of like a little chill spot for her. So... Um, yeah, sometimes she just needed that break and then I pop her back down and she's good to go again for a while. But yeah, again, that point of it's impossible to fall asleep and often the more we try, the harder it actually is for them to fall asleep. And I often pass on this piece of advice when, say, somebody else is really kindly offered to put Fern in the carrier and have her sleep on them. Um, I, I say that to them, I say... She might have a sleep, but like there's no stress at all. Like don't don't think about it. Don't worry about her getting to sleep because she will feel that and pick up on that and and it'll make it really hard for her to fall asleep. And so um, I say instead to change your agenda and instead to have the mindset of, um, so say like when I put Fern in the carrier, I say to myself, like I'm giving her the opportunity right now to fall asleep if she wants to. And I leave it at that. And then if she if she needs to sleep she will sleep if she doesn't she won't and um and then I'll get her out and we'll carry on but yeah I I understand how it can be frustrating like especially if you've got a plan in your head and it often happens for me like the most planned out days I have are the ones where Fern is the opposite you know um in terms of sleep of of what I needed her to do to fit in with my plan but um yeah, like it's tricky, you know, like if I've said, okay, I'm going to work on my podcast when Fern has her first big sleep of the day and then I keep waiting for it and waiting for it and waiting for it and like putting her in the carrier and trying to get her to sleep and it doesn't happen and she doesn't end up having a morning sleep that day. So yeah, babies, they keep us on our toes for sure. This point I've also touched on a little already as well, but I will mention it again, expand on it a bit more. So so this is around getting how to help your baby get to sleep. Um, is the fact that babies will begin to expect whatever it is you usually do to get them to sleep. So if you usually rock and sing and feed them, then 
you know, that's what they get used to and they will need that to fall asleep. So to just be a little aware of what you are setting up for them. And I'm kind of weary of saying that because it it just reminds me of, you know, how some people might say to you like, oh, you're creating a rod for your own back or whatever that saying is of, of feeding your baby to sleep or having them sleep on you and they make it sound like a really bad thing um, and yeah I, I don't believe it's bad for your baby to to need that little bit of assistance in those conditions to be able to sleep soundly but um, I do think we play a bit of a role in yeah and how we begin is, is what they get used to and and we'll to a certain extent need that to continue um, for a little while. So an example from our journey of what happened was um, Fern, when she would fall asleep on me, she would stay sucking on my nipple for a long time, like potentially for her whole sleep or other times for like, yeah, for quite a while. And because I left her to do that, I thought, you know, that's natural. That's she's showing me that's what she needs, and and I do still believe that. But um, you know, after a couple of months, I soon started to realize, like, you know, I I gained a bit more energy and wanted to be doing more things, and didn't want her, you know, like fully stuck onto my nipple, like for the for all of her sleeps during the day. And but because I had created that she she kind of began to not be able to sleep without my nipple in her mouth and so I would have her in the carrier on the front and I would have um, the carrier lowered down on one side so she could be feeding and she'd feed to sleep and um, yeah ideally then what would happen is she would pop off my nipple and I would tighten the carrier back up and bring her back up higher so it's comfier for me but that would just never happen. And if I tried to, you know, like slowly like <laughs> get my nibble out of her mouth, she would just wake straight back up and, and need it to keep sleeping. Um, and this got me in like quite a bit of a pickle because as she got bigger, it started being really sore on my body, having her low down in the carrier, not in the correct position because, you know, she was lowered down to the height of my breasts. And because she was having so many sleeps in the day and always on me um yeah it got like oh, there would honestly be days where I didn't even want to like put the carry on because my body was so sore from it so yeah to me it was a big relief when she was big enough to move on to my back and then I guess like there was it was just there was no other choice so she had to learn to sleep without it so maybe I could have done that earlier maybe I just wasn't ballsy enough to be able to make sometimes yeah making transitions like that are tricky and you don't know if you're doing the right thing but yeah so in hindsight I would have tried to not always feed her to sleep um or or left her sucking on my breast for so long but so yeah so I think sometimes I would like to distinguish more like feeding her and then if she doesn't fall asleep during the feed put her in the carrier and then let her fall asleep that way instead of falling asleep every single time on my breasts and that also means you know she can sleep she's she would be more used to sleeping on other people as well if she didn't need to have, have a nipple in her mouth another example is I, I just I feel like in general when I forced kind of like tried to force Fern to sleep a lot when she was younger and no maybe force is too strong a word but I really worked to get her to sleep and in hindsight I I just don't think it should have been that hard and I think I was probably still a bit too focused on it and a bit too worried about sleep and getting her to sleep and so I tried to make it 
happen a bit much. Um, whereas now I, I'm way more relaxed about it. And uh, because Fern moves more as well, it's now it's easier and that she kind of tires herself out and then she, you know, she is ready to pass out. She, she falls asleep pretty quickly now. So maybe it is just different these days, but I really like that perspective shift I talked about before of, um, of, yeah, of just providing the conditions and then we shouldn't, yeah, we shouldn't need to do too much work. But so another like bad, (laughs) bad kind of, um, habit I got into was, um, so I would have her in the carrier on my front, she'll be feeding. Then I would also be like bopping or rocking or swaying or whatever, some sort of movement. I would also be patting her bum and I would also be singing the song. And it just became this like ridiculous palaver of like such a drama to get her to sleep. But maybe, I don't know, that could have even started like sometimes when she's sick, it's a lot harder to get her to sleep. So I might need to do a few extra things like that. And then I just, I forget to go back to normal when she's well again. And I just carry on doing all these intense as things to help her get to sleep. But I don't think she should need that much help. I think that if I was just more relaxed and made sure that the timing was right and was open to whether she actually needs to sleep or not, things could have been a little easier. So when Fern was around maybe like two, three months old, um, she stopped falling asleep so easily because she became like a bit more aware of the noises around her and and what was going on so if we were out at you know out somewhere with other people around and different things happening I found it was harder to get her to sleep but it was still possible and once she was had fallen asleep she was fine with the noise and that it didn't disrupt her sleep at all but um, yeah I, I think it's important to push through little challenges like that because it's so easy to kind of start creating a story around things for example like um yeah I have a story that I can't get Fern to sleep in in public or if we're in a loud place and if you if you think about it lots and keep telling yourself that then that story is going to become true and yeah I, I know this from personal experience but if you just allow yourself to take like each new situation as it comes and not just like put everything in a box and say like Fern can no longer do this or can only do this. Um, yeah, I find it just leaves leaves a lot more doors and opportunities open of, of things you can and can't do with your baby. So my ways um, that I currently help Fern to get to sleep or allow Fern to get to sleep um what I usually do is, yeah, it depends on how I'm feeling and, and, and what I like the mental like state I'm in and also if I've, depends how I want to spend that time when she's sleeping. But um, if I'm feeling like some real chill time of just like being on my phone or reading a book, I might try feeding Fern to sleep and just letting her fall asleep in my arms. So say she does fall asleep. And I might either just let her stay on me for her whole sleep if I just felt like really chilling or if I wanted to get something done, then I might try to transfer her down. But usually I would have to come back after half an hour or an hour and um, feed her to help her carry on sleeping if, if she needed to sleep longer. But if I feed her and she doesn't fall asleep, like just by herself, like honestly, I might do like a really gentle rock, but otherwise I'm just providing that safe place for her 
then um, I know to switch to the carrier. So that's often what happens in the morning for her first sleep is I'll feed her um, and if she doesn't fall asleep up into my back she goes. And I also like to choose this option um, if there's, yeah, if there's lots of stuff I want to get done if I'm in more of like a busy mood that morning. So I pop her up on my back and what I do is I save all of my busy jobs for for this time when she's ready for her sleep. So things like um, maybe putting some washing on, putting the dishes away from last night, tidying my room, um, and then also things like working on my laptop, like working on my podcast or just doing some admin stuff. I just um, put my laptop on top of my chest of drawers so it's at like a good standing height. And I really like that technique because it means that it's keeping me and my mind busy. So I'm not like focused on fern falling asleep because like we've discussed that doesn't work. Um, But it also allows just that natural like kind of constant movement, which is often what fern needs to get to sleep. And most of the time that works a treat or... Um, yeah, occasionally we might go out on a walk, but usually I'm I just I like to chill around home in the mornings. Um, and yeah, she falls asleep just so calmly, peacefully, content, happy, and oh, nothing makes me happier than her falling asleep like that. I just compared to the opposite of crying her eyes out, being in a state of fear and panic and unknown and uncertainty, and oh, it's yeah, I'm I'm really glad. That I've, um, in the way that I've chosen to to parent Finn, especially around sleep. But sometimes she does need a little bit of extra help, so I might have to make a bit more of an effort of doing like a, a good, get a good bop on or um, a bum pad as well, or a good solid, consistent sway side to side for a couple of minutes to just help tip her, um, tip her off into that sleep. But yeah, she. I don't know, I, I, I know her communication and her signals pretty well now and she's got a certain kind of like cry out for help that she does if that's kind of like, that I know means I want to sleep but I just need a little bit more help and yeah, and then she's got like different sounds for if it's not working and she just really wants to get out of the carrier. So those are my two main ways. Um, I, I sometimes try the laying down in bed and feeding her to sleep that way but I don't know what it is but she just doesn't fall asleep very easily that way like it's quite rare that that works so usually it's me sitting up in bed and feeding her and then transferring her down um, if I want but yeah occasionally it works and the other quite often um, the other way Fern falls asleep is in the car and usually that works the timing just works out really well like we go somewhere in the morning and then we're driving home at lunchtime or driving home mid-morning and she just falls asleep on the way home and yeah again just has no trouble falling asleep just peacefully no crying involved it's it's so good okay how's everyone doing sometimes it's like really nice just have a brief little pause like stop and take a breath and and take in what you've heard so far okay so this next section I reckon is one of the most confusing and that is the question of how long should your baby sleep for when they're having those day naps and the answer that I love the most to this question is as long as they need and again that's going to look different for every baby and it could be anywhere from like a 15-20 minute nap to a two or three or four hour nap um so yeah this I think this is the one that drove me the most crazy I was like I know I can usually like get Fern to sleep it's a bit of work but um when she would 
you know, so I'd worked really hard to get her to sleep, then she'd fall asleep, and then she'd wake up after 15, 20, 30 minutes, um, a lot of the time, her, yeah, her naps would would just be really short ones, and this was from, I reckon, from when she was like three months old to eight months old, so this lasted a long time, and I'd be watching the clock, you know, and she'd wake, and I'd go oh that was only 20 minutes oh that was only 30 minutes and by watching the time like that and having the belief in my in my mind that I've been told or picked up I don't know somehow that baby should be napping for longer um it would leave me feeling so frustrated and annoyed and angry um that she was only having these tiny little naps and it seemed that no matter what I did I just I couldn't make her sleep any longer and I think the big thing was that was that I really needed like the break from Fern for when she was sleeping and so when that was so short um, I, I didn't really like feel rejuvenated from from that break but to be honest it's probably because I was like stressing and worrying about that nap the whole time and like trying to be super quiet and not make any noises so as not to wake her um, yeah but so one thing that I figured out that made a big difference was Having like when Fern woke after a really short nap like that was instead of being like that can't have been long enough, it was only 20 minutes, instead checking in with like how she is when she wakes up and a lot of the time she woke up like bright eyed, happy as, ready to go again and I eventually clicked on, I was like if she's waking up like this, that's she's obviously communicating with me that she's had enough sleep that was all that she needed was that little mini nap um and I I actually I wonder if because she sleeps so well during the night because you know she's sleeping right next to me and Dylan um yeah she she sleeps really soundly at night that maybe she doesn't need such long naps during the day I'm I'm curious and yeah so when when I changed that mindset oh and so but sometimes she wouldn't wake up like that sometimes she would wake and she would start crying pretty soon after waking and that I learned meant that she that's when she wasn't ready to sleep but she needs a bit of help to um to carry on sleeping so that's when you know I would um feed her to help her get back to sleep or uh just do some bouncing around in the carrier for a bit and help her um yeah get back to sleep again so it's all about just trusting that your baby knows what they need and, and observing and picking up on those signs. And when I was able to change my perspective around those little naps, um, it honestly, it was literally life-changing. Um, I just completely gave in to them. It took, it took a few days, a little bit of work and um, lots of like stopping and taking a breath um, but yeah in the end I just gave in to them and I stopped timing her sleeps and I recommend this so much um, I, I like I can't think of a reason why it's beneficial to time how long your baby nap for unless you're you're wanting to share with everyone else you meet how long your baby naps for <laughs> um, yeah it, it doesn't matter it's all about when they wake up how they're feeling um, so yeah, stop timing your baby's sleeps. And people sometimes, yeah, they I feel like they often find it strange when when they don't know when they ask me like, Oh yeah, how long does Finn sleep for? And I'm like, Oh, I honestly don't know. Like I don't I don't watch the clock. But like in saying that I do have a general idea. Like I know if like often um, usually these days if she's on my back in the carrier, she would sleep for one to two hours and 
and so yeah I can't, like I know generally but I'm, I'm not watching the clock at all and it's so nice to just take that stress out of your mind and not be constantly worrying about that but it was still tricky in that because she was having such short naps she would need them more often so say maybe she was having like five of those little naps in a day and because it was such hard work getting her to sleep you know that would be quite exhausting I'd get her to sleep and then just have such a short period of time um but yeah, I think again, if I if I change my mindset a bit more around all that, it it could have been uh, even better. And yeah, just giving giving into and accepting this is this is how my baby sleeps. So yeah, if you're in that situation, I feel you. It's really really tough. Um, but yeah, making those mindset changes honestly made the biggest difference. And it took a little bit of work, you know, when you're like out and about, at, yeah, usually it's like a family gathering and film, we'll have one of our little naps and wake up and people, people love to comment about babies, oh my goodness, it drives me a little crazy sometimes, but you know, there'll be someone who'll comment, oh, that was a short little nap, um, and usually that would like get me really down and I'd get like frustrated and I'd be like, oh, I know, tell me about it, and that would like frustrate me even more, but I've learned now to just be like, yeah, look at her, she's she's woken up happy, that that was all she needed, and and just move on and don't don't let those things get to you. It's the same with um, sometimes, like often when Fern's feeding, she'll just, especially if we're out like and there's a lot of other people and distractions around, she'll just have like a really quick little suck and then and then come off because she's distracted by something. And people often like to comment as well, like, oh, that was a short little feed. And uh, it, yeah, it can be frustrating if you let it get to you. But so so don't just just let those things flow right on over. And sometimes you are going to have those days where your baby sleeps lots or for really long and other days where, like yesterday, we had um, some some of my mum friends and their babies come over to our house and they arrived right about the time that Fern was ready for a sleep. And so I let her play for a bit because I knew that, she, yeah, she'd really like to do that first. Um, and then I popped her up in the carrier hoping she'd have a sleep, but there was too much going on and she just wanted to play. And so... Um, I saw that that wasn't working, so I popped her back down and let her play. But it ended up she didn't end up having her first sleep until like I think it was like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and usually that's when she'd be having her second one. And so, um, yeah, again, it's just it's not driving yourself crazy about those things. Just go with the flow. Watch your baby and their signs, and and I could see that she was tired, but she was also coping. And so, rather than you know, like trying to make a big fuss and getting her to sleep when she didn't want to. I just, I let it be and I knew that when everybody left, then she could have, have a good sleep then. But I, I know it is easy to freak out about that stuff sometimes. Sometimes you're going around being like, she hasn't slept all day yet, like telling everyone you meet. Um, and I also find it helpful to think about her collective sleep like over the past week or over the past couple of days and maybe she's had a few days of like really good solid sleeps and then um, the next day she she won't need so much because you know she's like banked up on some sleep it's, it's like us you know if you think about if you have like one really late crazy night out and then the next day you're like oh I feel fine today like I feel so good I'm gonna go out this late every night and then you feel it maybe if you had another late night then you feel it the next day but then if you have a good sleep again you're good to go so yeah I think babies are like that too. I've also noticed that um, the length and the number of sleeps Fern has can change a lot like go back and forth and back and forth so you know when um so babies eventually start to drop sleeps and we this is something I've never consciously done again I've just followed Fern's cues and 
when she was changing from three to two sleeps, um, yeah, she, she went down to two sleeps for a few days or maybe like a week and then she went back to three sleeps and then back down to two sleeps and there was quite a bit of back and forth. So again, yeah, that's just why you need to, well, why I think it works best to take the cues from your baby about when they need to sleep instead of just deciding that they need this many naps in a day. Okay, the last one, the one you've all been waiting for, ways to keep your baby sleeping longer. Um, I have figured out a few little tricks because for a lot of us, this is what we're, what we're dying for. I know I was for a long time. Um, okay, so what have I got? Make sure that um, baby, your baby always has a dry nappy on before, you know, before getting them off to sleep. That's just a good one. So when they wake, they're not like uncomfortable with a soaking nappy um, and also make sure they've got a good number of layers on. A good thing to remember is if you're getting them to sleep on the bed and then you're moving away, when you're close to them all of your body heat is keeping them warm so when you move away I would often just lay like a little light blanket over Fern um, to make sure that she stays at a good temperature and that doesn't bother her and I think you cool down a little when you fall asleep too hey I'm picturing like myself when I have a little nap and yeah just it always feels nice having a blanket on then uh, I haven't talked about sleep cycles properly yet so what I've noticed with Fern with Fern it's really obvious to tell when she is joining a sleep cycle because she takes this big deep breath or does like a bit of a big sigh almost and yeah, so it's it's interesting. When she was younger, often around that time is when she would wake up and, and she couldn't, yeah, like link the two. And I don't fully understand how they work, but I think just as your baby grows older, it becomes easier for them to link those sleep cycles and to not wake at the first one. And that's how they end up sleeping independently for longer by themselves. But when Fern was younger, I, I think I figured out that if I could link her over that first sleep cycle, then she would go into a much deeper sleep and then was more likely to sleep for like an hour, an hour and a half sort of thing. So yeah, I'm still not fully sure about that, but um, just a little bit of info about sleep cycles. But what I, what I do know is that it's a really... Um, almost like make it or break it time so I think Fern like lightly comes out of her sleep almost and so if you happen to if you or somebody else um, around you happens to make like a really loud or sudden or abrupt noise like just at that perfect moment when she's passing between those sleep cycles she would always wake up and again that would just be so frustrating um, and yeah I feel like it would always work out like Dylan would go out for a run and he'd get back and I'd have gone Fern off to sleep and it would be like literally the moment she did that big sigh was like when he'd walk back through the door and start talking and you know just like breaking the silence and his voice you know she's like excited to hear it and and she would wake so um a little hint that my mum actually taught me was a little trick was if you have music playing in the background it kind of helps to soften and cover up more um, loud and sudden noises so that's a good one to try. Um, sometimes if Fern is in between say she's like lying down on sleeping on the bed um, between sleep cycles she occasionally like just flutters her eyes open for a couple of seconds and if she sees that I'm still there sometimes that's all she needs to know and then she'll close them again and carry on sleeping but 
Um, yeah, other times she does need to feed again to get her back to sleep um, or, yeah, a bit of a rock and pat in the carrier. I remember this uh, one stage during that tricky period when I was so desperate for Fern to like be sleeping on the bed by herself and for longer than like 20-30 minutes that I spent like a good couple of days like googling and googling like doing all the research I could into how to make your baby sleep longer Um, and, and I was like I may as well try some of these things and you know it wasn't like I was trying to cry it out but I tried things like making the room dark um having some white noise playing checking that there was like a good it wasn't too hot or too cold in the room um, I even tried like starting a little routine of reading a story first but to be honest most of them didn't um make a difference at all the dark room didn't make a difference it like I already mentioned can affect um baby's circadian rhythm so you don't want to be doing that uh, the white noise machine, not machine, like just playing on my phone, that potentially helped, but then it meant that I couldn't use the baby monitor because all I could hear was the light, the, the white, <laughs> the light noise, the white noise and not when Fern was waking because the setup I do, if she's, um, sleeping in the room on the bed by herself, I set up, we have, um, there's an app that I use, it's called baby monitor costs like six or seven dollars or something um which yeah sometimes I know it can seem weird seem a little strange to pay for an app but when you look at that compared to buying a baby monitor like it's it's so cheap and but you do need to have a spare device lying around like an old phone or an old ipad so yeah we, we have an old ipad that we don't really use so I just um got the app on there as well and so I go into it and I click that that's the device to be with the child and yeah it just sets up a camera and like a live video uh, stream basically to Fern and then I connect the other end through my phone and so then I just carry my phone around with me wherever I am in the rest of the house and that way I can hear and see her if I want but the the best thing is that so like I don't often use the video component of it usually because I'm using it mostly at night time and so it's dark you can't see anything anyway but what happens is I can still use my phone so when I'm not in the app it still stays running in the background and the audio is just playing so yeah I can hear that enables me to hear as soon as she wakes um, to go back in like quite quickly and help her to get back to sleep if that's what she needed but yeah it, it is important to wait like at least a few seconds because um, you know off sometimes she does make a little noise and then gets herself back to sleep um, or other times like especially at night sometimes she's just having a nightmare or it's calling out in her sleep and I go in and um, she's actually actually fine and still sleeping but so yeah you you obviously do need a wi-fi connection to be able to use that um, and yeah if your wi-fi connection isn't great it can be really frustrating to use but um, yeah I found it it works really well and and I take it like when I come to when I go out and about because often you like I said Fern falls asleep pretty easily in the car and we get there and she's still sleeping so if I can park like off the road um, next to the house and then hook the iPad up to the Wi-Fi I just leave that in the car there with her and again it means I can go and be inside but still um, monitor and keep an eye on her and that's what I do like if we drive it if we've driven home from somewhere and Fern's asleep in the car instead of me having to sit there um, I just hook that up so yeah it it's super super handy um, yeah as long as everything's charged and yeah technology's 
on your side. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't recommend that with a newborn baby. You need to be taking them out of the car with you and um, yeah, you need to have them close to be just, you know, double checking and supervising their breathing and their sleep. But now that Fern's bigger, um, you know, and I can't very easily transfer her out of the car seat while she's still sleeping. So I just leave her in there and she, she actually sleeps really well in the car. Usually like after we've gone home and I turn the car off and gone inside, she'll often do like an hour in there um, by herself. So yeah, I think she feels she's really used to it and feels really safe in there. But again, the biggest piece of advice I can offer is don't stress about them waking and be constantly thinking about it. Um, say like if they're in the carrier on you, that's going to stop them from sleeping longer, just you having that on your mind. So yeah, they'll feel it. Instead, just relax, let it go and, and focus on yeah doing some things for yourself. So yeah, I know, I know the sleep can get a bit overwhelming at times, but just like a really good time to stop and check in and remember that there's usually like a whole tribe of family members or a village helping to hold and carry a baby while they're sleeping you know they'd be passed around like even older siblings would take turns with the baby sleeping on them and instead um you know you listening you're the the main caregiver most likely to your child and you are doing that work solely like for the majority of the time so yeah you're doing an amazing job and yeah, it's if there's little changes you can make to help with things, for sure, give them a go, try them out, see if they work. But yeah, the biggest thing I found was kind of just like letting go and being like, hey, this is the stage my baby's at. And yeah, it's so nice to see now the that like how much it's paid off and how happy and content Fern is. Um, you know, just like her general well-being, I'd say a lot of it is because she she sleeps so happily and so easily and without that stress and fear and everything around it so yeah I promise they they do grow older they do become more independent and the sleep times get longer and the yeah the, the independence the distance between you guys can increase and but it's all in their own time and they'll do it when they're ready so just before I move on to um, just talking briefly about night sleep and then finishing up um I did just want to talk really briefly about the cry it out method and I like I feel like I don't even need to explain why I, why I don't believe in it like it just doesn't doesn't make any sense in my mind um, but if you are after some more like scientific evidence to back it up a really great talk I went to by a guy called Nathan Wallace um, he explained about the brain activity actually that's going on so yeah he explained that a baby who's left to cry it out will eventually stop crying but it's because they've learned that no one will come and but if you actually look on a brain scan monitor at the baby even though they're not crying their brain is still in that fight or flight mode they're still stressed out and anxious and and worried and not feeling calm and what a horrible state to be in and so often and this takes away from um, the cerebral cortex developing as well so yeah have a google of him if you want to know more about that scientific side and I love this quote he said he was like sleep training won't wreck your child but it's not an advantage if you want to train something get a dog <laughs> Uh, and another thing I just wanted to mention was sleep regressions. I don't know if you guys have heard of these or not. I haven't heard a lot about them, to be honest. But whenever that um, those that word does pop up, I'm like, I just, I block it out and, and let whatever the person's about to say just like go in one ear and out the other. And yeah, I, 
it's just something to me that I don't find helpful to know. So yeah, okay, my very limited basic understanding is that at certain ages, um, your baby has a sleep regression and sleep becomes really tricky around that time. But to me, that just doesn't add any benefit or value to to my life, knowing that. Um, and again, it's that whole thing about creating a story. And if, if I attach on to something like that, um, I think you can almost just make sleep become really hard. And instead, I would way rather just respond to, to what's happening on that day. And yeah, maybe we have a couple of tricky days of sleep, but then, um, you know, everything might go back to being pretty easy again. And it might just last a couple of days instead of lasting weeks because I'm, you know, I've got the story and I've got my mindset on that. Oh no, Fern's in a sleep regression. It's going to be hard every time to get her to sleep now and start to dread that. So yeah, personally, I find those things unhelpful and just ignore them. Okay, Fern's just woken. Fern, do you want to say something on the podcast? No? There's some wisdom for your day. Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> okay, last little bit on to talking about nighttime sleeping. So yeah, as I mentioned earlier, this isn't something that we've had a lot of trouble with because we co-sleep and yeah, I've got realistic expectations of how often film wakes and I, yeah, I don't think she wakes very often these days, but she definitely still does and she definitely still feeds um, at night time, which I think is so healthy and good for her. Um, and yeah, she'll, she'll wean off that when she's ready. But that's, yeah, point I wanted to make is that night waking, especially at the start, is actually protective for your baby. It's good for them to constantly be waking and um, you know how they kind of need that like restart and rechecking of their breathing, how they take that off you. So it's important for them to be doing that, doing that during the night as well. And it also helps to regulate your milk supply by feeding by the your baby feeding often and oh sorry waking often and feeding throughout the night. Because if you just feed your baby during the day and then not at night, and then you've got a low milk supply. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's pretty obvious the cause of that. So these are good things, <laughs> but yeah, that's just why co-sleeping just makes so much sense to me because, because it means you can do those things without having to get out of bed and, and you can both get back to sleep, um, as, as quickly as possible. So yeah, whole another podcast on co-sleeping if you want to know more about that. Um, but one thing I noticed with Firm was that around about three months was when she started becoming more in tune with like night and day and distinguishing between the two. So like before that, we when we were out at night, say at a um, friend's place or a gathering or something, and it might be like 10 o'clock and Firm would just be awake for like an hour or however long it was she would stay awake for at that stage. And, and I wouldn't feel bad bad that I was like keeping her out late or anything because no matter if we where we were like if we were at home she would she would be doing the same thing um until we went to bed but yeah after about three months once it became dark and she was ready for her next sleep after it was dark she began wanting to go to go to sleep and stay asleep so um that changed things a little so then I just know to have her in the carrier if we were out so she could stay sleeping or um, yeah, just go put her in bed if we were at home. So what I started doing then was when she was ready to go to bed, I would go 
to bed with her. I would lay with her and feed her and wait till she fell asleep and was in a deep sleep and had unlatched from my nipple. And then I would hop out and go back upstairs usually to um, to eat dinner or to um, hang out with Dylan or my family some more. Or yeah, if, you know, if there was stuff, other stuff I wanted to do. Usually it would be early, like seven or something. So yeah, I wasn't ready to go to bed then. Um, and so yeah I would use that baby monitor to then know when she wakes and every time she woke I would just um, run back downstairs to her and feed her and get her back to sleep again and at the start this was happening like every half hour from when I put her down and if I didn't get back down to her really quickly the crying would escalate and she would become pretty upset and it would be harder for her to fall back to sleep and yeah I remember this being a really tricky time because there was just so much up and down and back and forth and I just wanted to like hang out with people or I just wanted to eat my dinner I feel like it would always work out that you know if I've been lucky enough that um, most of the time we've lived with other people and if someone else had made dinner and I get upstairs and it would be ready which is amazing and I would be sitting down at the table be about to eat my first bite of this yummy meal you know I'm like starving a breastfeeding mum always is <laughs> um, and yeah I'd be just about to put that first bite in my mouth and then I'd hear Fern like crying over the monitor and I'd like do a big sigh and make a big deal out of it and like want everybody to feel sorry for me. But yeah, I find it really helpful in those moments to remember that like I'm I'm choosing to parent this way and it's because because there is no other way, um, in my opinion. Nothing else feels right. So yeah, there another way to do that would be um to to eat earlier, to be all organized, and then I could just go to bed with her. Um, just quite early at night but yeah realistically it, it was too early and it was nice to um, have a bit of space and especially spend some time with Dylan um, once she was done in bed but yeah it's still not ideal having to like wait crying every half hour or hour but those distance um, like the times have gotten longer so often now she can go down when I put her down to sleep she can sleep for like an hour or up to two hours um, by herself before me needing to go back in there so it's really nice to see that progress but say you were needing to make dinner at that time um, that can that's not going to work very well so um, if I did need to be up then I would probably just put her to sleep um, get her to sleep in the carrier so then I could still be doing what I needed to do but yeah other usually I just like to be if it is my turn to cook I like to just organize that earlier in the day so that tricky time I can I can just be with Fern because there's nothing worse than say I'm laying in bed with her trying to get her to sleep and know that everyone else is out there waiting for dinner um and and I can't literally can't leave because I can't leave until Finn's back to sleep, and then she feels that stress, um, and and then it takes much longer for her to go back to sleep. So yeah, one of the many benefits of living with other people, um, I'm so happy in our flat in the moment to just yeah be living with such good friends and people are on the same page about the majority of things, and it's also really nice in that Dylan's got people to hang out with too. So often like bedtime for like me taking Finn to bed would be. Um, uh, like not great time for him because he really loves eating together I don't know he just has this thing about it and so he'd be like waiting and waiting and waiting for me to finish putting Fern to sleep and then oh and then the other thing is often like I fall asleep with her while I'm <laughs> while I'm pretending to sleep so that she falls asleep yeah I'm, I'm sure that sounds familiar to a lot of you <laughs> 
but so for yeah for him to have other people to hang out with and eat with and I can go in and out and come back and forth and not have to worry worry about him so much um is really nice that he's got other company too I do remember though I think I read in a book once about um this family who with their baby like once it was nighttime and she would you know nurse or whatever um how I'm not sure how she got him to sleep something one of the many ways we've discussed today but then she would just um her baby would either just sleep on her or on her husband or she would just put him down on the couch um in the lounge where they were where they would usually hang out for the evening and he would just sleep right there next to them which meant that she could respond straight away if he did wake and and I really like that idea it's never managed to work I think because of the different living situations we've had but yeah I'd I'd be tempted to try that um, because I think that sounds nice to yeah for for your baby to know that you're always right there but hmm, I don't know and saying that it is nice to also create that routine around hopping into like yeah we go we sleep in bed at night and for Fern to get used to that so yeah just some ideas so the most effective way that I've found to get um, to help Finn to get to sleep at nighttime is so straightforward and so easy. I literally just, we we say goodnight to everyone. Um, I put on her night nappy. We go into the bedroom together. It's nice and dark. The um, I just have like the Himalayan salt lamp on, which is like a nice soft glow. Um, we lay down in bed together. She feeds and my one and only job is to like lay as still as I can and pretend that I'm falling asleep as well and then she does the same it's honestly most nights it's honestly that easy and this has actually become one of the favorite like parts of my day is getting to snuggle up with her in bed at the end of the day and just like watch her fall asleep is is so nice and um, sometimes I might like stroke her head as well or rub her back or give her a little bum pat sometimes she needs that bit of extra help but a lot of the time she's just she's gotten used to that this is what we do and and because I've you know followed her cues and taking her to bed when she's ready she falls asleep um occasionally though she she's not ready for bed um and so she'll stop feeding she'll roll over and what she actually does is she like she'll crawl out of bed and I've got a few little toys next to the bed and she just plays with them until she's ready to go to sleep and the first few times she did this I I had to like stop and check and I was like oh do I want her doing this but I was like, why not? You know, I'm not going to force her to sleep if she's not ready to go to sleep. And I really like that she is then making the decision like, oh, I feel tired now. I'm going to come over to mum and she's and then, then then I can fall asleep. Like she's making that choice. I think that's really cool to be able to um, for her to be able to, to be responsible for that. And sometimes that'll happen a couple of times. She'll come back over to me. She'll ask for some milk. I'll feed her and then she might roll away again. Um, yeah, it hasn't happened lately, but we went through a little period of it happening a bit. But, you know, we're in a dark, quiet, soft room. She's, you know, maybe she does just need a bit of wind down time that day. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with letting her do that. And I have our room set up so that it's a safe, you know, safe space for her. I don't have to worry about what she's getting into or playing with. Um, but she usually just stays like right next to my side of the bed. And yeah, because our bed is a futon on the ground, it's easy for her to just come on and off as she pleases. Another little trick I found helps sometimes is 
helping her to feel a bit more secure. And so what I do is going to sound a little funny. Um, if she's struggling to fall asleep, but I know that she she needs that she does want to sleep, but she just needs some extra help. I sometimes like wrap. Um, what do I do? I like put my top leg and kind of like pin her like lower half of her body down with it. So kind of like hold her down and, and I bring my arm around and I hold her close and secure. And a lot of the time that seems to help because I think I was thinking one day like, why didn't, how does she fall asleep so easily in the carrier? And there's something about that security of feeling tight and held that I think is really nice. Um, and sometimes she, she really doesn't respond well to that and she'll let me know and she'll wriggle and she'll get out of it. And so then I'll, I'll, um, of course, like let her like take my leg off, but yeah, just, I don't know, something to try. <laughs> sometimes you're desperate and just need to try these things. Hey. And my last tip for night times is to make sure that you've put a good thick night nappy on your baby before bed so that um, you don't have to change that in the middle of the night and disturb them and wake yourself up. Um, yeah, I've I finally got myself some good night nappies and yeah, it's so nice not having to change a nappy in the middle of the night and so much nicer for her. She would usually like wake up and just cry and cry and cry. So it's really nice to eliminate that. I just realized um, one thing I forgot to mention before when I was talking about the way of how Fern usually has her day naps. Um, another point is that often I would choose to put her up on my back in the carrier if I want a really good stretch of uninterrupted time. So like I said, she'll often do one to two hours in the carrier for her first sleep of the day. And if I'm just chilling at home and doing things around the house or on my laptop and yeah, sometimes I'm really craving that uninterrupted time whereas if she's sleeping on the bed it's often every half an hour or hour going in to feed her again so yeah it just depends what I'm like what sort of mood I'm in what I want to get done but sometimes I need that like physical space from her is really nice or maybe my body's sore so then having her down on the bed and and having to go back in is actually the nicer option because it means that she's not on me so yeah <clears throat> just do what feels good for you and is working for you both um as always the most important thing. Now a few resources to share with you, some people to check out. Um, the biggest one, if you haven't heard of it yet, is a group called the Beyond Sleep Training Project. They're on Instagram and Facebook and that's a really supportive group. Obviously, the, I mean the title explains what they're all about. But you can post questions on there, you can say what's going on for you at the moment and people offer support and advice. And you can search, you know, go back, scroll through old posts and see if other people have been in the same um, scenarios as you, which I'm sure they will have. So yeah, check them out. And then there's two more on Instagram, which I've actually just found recently. And the first one is called Care It Out Sleep Consultant. So yeah, she's obviously a sleep consultant, but somebody who um, believes in doing it in a more gentle parenting way. And I don't agree with 100% of her stuff, but she does have some really helpful info and facts about sleep on there. So you can check her out. And then Mother Baby Sleep on Instagram. I think it looks like hers is a feeling new account, but I really loved her perspective um, on things that she shared on there. So go check them out. <sighs> Yay, sleep. It's a, such a big topic. So I guess just to kind of sum up, I would say stop timing your baby sleeps. Um, get realistic about how different sleep looks for every baby 
and just do your best to be patient and relaxed around sleep and you'll honestly you'll, you'll see how much easier it becomes and you know this dependency this stage won't last forever but if you do need some extra support now while your baby is dependent then reach out and and get that but yeah just just think about and acknowledging yourself all of the effort that you're putting into making sure that your baby feels safe and happy and loved and know that of course it's going to pay off and be worth it in the long run Okay, thanks so much for listening today. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram. My name, my name on there is Crunchy Mama M A M A. Um, where else? Yeah, that's mainly it. I don't post heaps. I mainly just use it to um to advertise when I have a a new podcast um episode out. I actually I listened to a, a podcast there um a couple of weeks back and. The lady was speaking about the importance of mums sharing like authentically and honestly and not just, you know, putting their highlights on, on Instagram or whatever because, yeah, often the challenging sides of parenting aren't seen. And, and I went through a little bit of like a, not a crisis, but like I was like, oh, damn, I think like my Instagram is just a bit of a highlights reel. But um, the conclusion I came to was that I, I don't – I can't share the same way on there that I can through this medium through the podcast and um, when I speak the stuff just flows out but if I try to type it and write it down um it doesn't do the same and I'm more conscious of like who else is like my parents like watching you know or like on that my Instagram account and see what I put up there and yeah I'm more a little more conscious of other people but on here, I know that it's people choosing to engage with this who who are interested in this topic, and and I feel like I do share really authentically on here. So yeah, I came to the conclusion that that was okay. But um, yeah, I, I do sometimes put stuff on my stories if you're interested in seeing what Fern and I get up to um during the day, and yeah, see you again soon for the next episode. <laughs>